listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you joined us today. We've got a wonderful show, as always. Uh, the special guest today is acclaimed author Allison Pace. And Allison will be here talking to us uh, today about her recently released book, A Pug's Tale. And of course, A Pug's Work is Never Done. And the story, uh, Pug's Tale, covers where she transports her trademark rye humor, which you'll find from this interview, and her beloved pugs, which are always a fun breed and always fun to write about, transfers those to the center of an art heist in New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art. So it's a fun story, interesting story, full of all kinds of, uh, of humor and climax. We'll let Allison talk to us a little bit about that in a moment. It's Pug's Tale. But first, I'd like to talk to you a little bit. You know, I always like to provide some helpful hints, some tidbits, some articles I've read. And there was a wonderful little article I read called Color-Coded Allergies. Color-Coded Allergies. And this is from the uh, April 2011 edition of Bottom Line Health. The article was actually written by Clifford Bassett, MD, uh, who is the medical director of allergy and asthma care in New York City. And Dr. Bassett in this article discusses uh, whether dark-colored cats produce more allergens than light-colored ones, which I had never heard of. I, I knew there were certain cats out there that had less allergens to them or uh, somewhat allergen-free, as we'll call them. And I've written articles about that, but I never knew there was a correlation or a possible correlation with uh, the color of the cat. But according to uh, studies uh, that Dr. Bassett's presenting and others are presenting, there is some uh, recent studies that shows adults living with dark-coated cats were up to four times more likely to have allergy symptoms than those living with light-colored cats. Now, this recent study is, you know, it's going on. There's multiple studies going on. They can't really pinpoint why that is. They don't know if it's the dander uh, is more significant with the darker-colored cats. Um, they're still analyzing it. But you may want to do, if you've, you're living with cats, you may want to do your own analysis on that as well. But, you know, there's other research out there that's found that the sex of the cat has more to do with the allergens of the cat. So it has to do more uh, with uh, more than that than the fur color itself. Uh, so many, uh, you may account a difference between a male cat. They, they stated uh, that male cats produce more allergens than female cats. And wouldn't that be the case? The males are always causing the troubles. That's the way it always works in life in general, I think. But interesting studies. So dark-colored cats and especially male cats may be producing more allergens in your household. And, of course, there's all kinds of wonderful, helpful hints and tips, and I've got some on my blogs as well. Uh, you can find out more about this article, The Color-Coded Allergies, uh, as well as helpful hints and tips about cat dander and allergens by visiting my blog, the Animal Rights blog on Pet Life Radio. You go to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Animal Rights, and then peruse over to the blog and read this uh, article and blog and some of the other blogs as well. So I thought that was very, very interesting. So a little helpful hint, a little tip for you out there. So we're going to come up to a break, but right after the break, we're going to come right back and spend some time with Allison Pace and her wonderful book, A Pug's Tale. Right after these messages, you're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Buster. 
You're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition, I guarantee it. Petco, where healthy pets go. Enter the code LUCKY10, L-U-C-K-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. I don't make any decisions about who to hire without going to Angie's List first. You'll find reviews on home repair to health care written by people just like you. With Angie's List, I know who to call and I know the results will be fantastic. Angie's List, which you can trust. Go to Angie'sList.com forward slash rights and get 25% off any subscription. That's Angie'sList.com forward slash rights, W-R-I-T-E-S. Would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of Info Seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi everybody, I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery. Or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on a super smiley adventure. Good boy. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link. And joining me now is multi-book author Allison Pace, who recently released her book, A Pug's Tale. Allison, welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me, Tim. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's such a fun book. I want you to tell us a little bit about A Pug's Tale so we know what the storyline's about and the premise and how the book come about. Okay. Um, well, thank you. I'm glad you think it's fun. Um, it is the story of Hope McNeil and her pug, Max. So Hope works at the Metropolitan Museum of Art where she is an art restorer, and she notices that a painting has been stolen from the Met. And for various reasons, she and her office mates or her art mates decide not to um, involve the police. So she takes it upon herself to solve the mystery, and her pug, Max, helps her with that crime. <laughs> And or with solving that crime, and it came about. Um, Hope and Max are from an earlier book called Pug Hill, and that book ends with a nice happy ending for Hope. But because she was the type of person who was always looking for something, after I wrote that book, I kept thinking, like, what is Hope going to be looking for now that she found her pug and found happiness? And eventually, just one day, I landed on the idea that Hope was actually um, going to be looking for a material object. Very good. And we won't spoil the ending on how it all turns out, of course, on the pick up a copy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how did you come up with choosing the furry hero? So we got Max. He's a pug. Are there pugs in your life or are pugs just fun and sweet, which we know they are? Pugs are very fun and sweet. I do not have my own pug. 
for a lot of the time that I did not have a dog, um, my sister had a pug and I was, you know, sort of, you know, a very doting aunt to this pug. And I've always just really been big fans of them. There was a place in New York City called Pug Hill, which I wrote a novel about where all the pugs would meet every Saturday and Sunday. And I used to always go and watch them and just, they're so amazing to watch and they're such you know, emotive, expressive dogs that they're really fun to write about. So I've been writing about them for a while now. So there's an actual location called Pug Hill. I wasn't aware of that. Yes, well, it is sadly defunct because dogs are allowed off their leashes in Central Park up until about 9 o'clock, and after that they get tickets. So I think enough pugs got enough tickets that they stopped going, unfortunately. That's a shame. That's a shame. Well, in a book, uh, A Pug's Tale, Hope who's the main character, believes Max is trying to help her solve the crime through a superior intuition. And I thought that was fascinating. I want to get your opinion on, you know, can you elaborate a little bit more on how that came about? And most, and more importantly, your thoughts on human-animal intuition. Do you think animals have certain intuition and intuitive capabilities? Yeah, I really, really do. Absolutely. Um, with with there is a large part of the book is that Max is helping Hope solve the mystery, and you know I've I've gotten comments like, oh my god, that's so funny and that's so crazy that the dog is doing that. But it wasn't. It was never really written sort of as a complete farce. It was, you know, it came from this belief that I I really do believe that dogs know what's going on, and you know they can't talk to us. But I believe that anyone who has spent any time with animals and had any sort of relationship with animals really, really knows on a deep level that dogs and other animals, they're really there and they're really intuitive and they, you know, really experience things. And I think sometimes just because they're so much more pure than humans, they can experience things a little bit easier than we can, which was what I thought about with Max having such a better idea of what was going on than Hope did. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're spot on with that. You know, I think animals are purer than we are and they're more open. You know, they don't have all these roadblocks. Yeah. 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 They don't have to worry about what shoes they're wearing or how they look or what kind of house they live in. As long as they're in the moment, they're happy. Right. And uh, and I think, you know, if anyone who's been to a yoga class or any of that, there's this this you know, sort of goal or endeavor to be in the moment. And it's just something that dogs, you know, are absolutely perfect at. And I think uh, it's just, it's fascinating to me. So it's sort of how, how in tune they really are if you pay attention. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the key, open yourself up and paying attention because, you know, we hear stories about, you know, whenever there's uh, storms coming, uh, the tsunamis, hurricanes, et cetera, mm-hmm. that the animals, mm-hmm. the wild animals know instinctually what to do. They feel that energy ahead of time and they take their intuition and move away from where the, the hazard may come. But I think just dogs in general, our, our everyday life, our domestic animals, if we just pay more attention to them and tune into them a little bit more, I think we'll pick up a lot more about what's uh, going on and what we should be doing in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. As someone who, you know, as a writer, I work at home on my own, uh, just with my dog. And just so I I really get that opportunity to pay a lot of attention to what's going on. And it's it's endlessly fascinating. (laughs) It is. I agree with you. (laughs) Now, especially when you don't want to write. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gives you a good excuse, like, oh yeah, he hasn't been out for a while. Let's go, uh, <laughs> let's check out the pool while we're at it. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, with a pug's tail, you know, outside of the fun and entertaining story, because it is just a wonderful uh, story. I just love how you put it all together. But I know there are some, uh, you know, there's some underlying takeaways from it. And can you? Explain a little bit maybe uh, to our readers what they will experience or maybe some of these underlying takeaways uh, that you hope they experience from reading the, the book Pugstail. 
I think independent of the mystery and the, the whodunit aspect and how are we going to figure out who took this painting, I think that it's a lot about the relationships that, you know, people can have with animals. And it's, you know, there's a, there's a lot in there about the relationships people have with other people and, you know, how, how you know the difference between right and wrong and how that line can be so gray and just the, you know, at the end, like, where does it all come down? Like, is it right? Is it wrong? And I think there's also a lot of art world information. So if you like art, there is a lot of the book is structured around a scavenger hunt in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. So there's a good takeaway from that, I think. Absolutely. If you've never had a chance to go to the Met or haven't been there for a long time, this is a quick and easy way to do it. Of course, yeah. if you're in New York City or need a good excuse to go to New York City, then it's a great, <laughs> a great excuse to get there. Yeah, you can go see all of the paintings that show up in the book. You can go find them all in the Met, which could be a fun activity. Oh, yeah, that should be part of it. I know you put you uh, talk about in the back of the book about readers' clubs, uh, some of those topics you should discuss if you want to put together your own uh, sort of a reader's guide, if you have your own book discussion. And uh, that's one of the things, yeah, you should include in the book is a little scavenger hut. field trip to the Met. <laughs> exactly. And then you need to go to the Met and get them to carry this in the bookstore if it isn't already in their bookstore. I know, I do. I think, yeah, I think that they are, um, they are limited to art books. (laughs) We need to break that trend. (laughs) More animal books, especially around the Met. That's what we need to do. Well, Allison, we're getting ready to come up to a break here, but we're going to come right back and I want to talk to you a little bit more about just the art of writing in general, because I think it's fascinating and obviously you're a pro at that. So everybody stay tuned. We're going to come right back with Allison Pace, talk a little bit more about A Pug's Tale, right after these messages from our sponsors. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash Lucky, L-U-C-K-Y, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. Love My Pets, the new single by Mark Winter, available on iTunes. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed or email us at PetLifeRadio.com. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. 
coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand. This is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link. And I'm here with Allison Pace, uh, talking to her about her recently released book, A Pug's Tell. Now, Allison, I know you've written and published, uh, as you mentioned, uh, many books and also many essays. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the difference between writing for uh, essays or articles compared to writing for uh, putting together a book, the whole process. Uh, can you give us a little highlight on the pros and cons and the, the easiness, what's easier, what's not, uh, maybe the differences between the two? Well, novels, it's fiction. So even though you are taking from your own life and from your own experiences, they are imaginary characters and imaginary situations. And the nice part of that is you can make everything turn out exactly the way you want. And essays, which I've written a lot of, it's you're taking something from your own life and you're not making it turn out the way you wanted. You're just observing and analyzing the way it actually did turn out. And they're much short, shorter. I, um, I find it much easier to write a 300-page novel than I do to write a 30-page essay. I just finished, I guess it'll be out next year, a collection of essays, and it took me a really, really long time. I think you're either a nonfiction writer or a fiction writer first, and then I think when you try to do the second thing, it can be really challenging. You know, it's interesting you say that, and I like how you, you put that together, too, because I think you're spot on with that, because I, you know, I know a lot of writers, and they've done their fair share of nonfiction and some fiction or vice versa, and uh, I think it tends to, to lead that way. I mean, a lot of the stuff I do, my, my book and a lot of the articles I write are uh, nonfiction because they're stories about animals, actual life experiences. They're uh, telling you little helpful hints and tidbits to have a better life with your animal, and I find it a lot easier to put that together than I do a fiction, you know, writing about fiction. I, I like the creative side that fiction gives you, but uh, putting it all together so you have a cohesive story I always find to be the challenge. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I do think it's one or, it's one or the other is gonna, it's a different, it's a whole different set of muscles. Yeah, I think so too. And piecing it all together is the uh, interesting part behind it. So I think, I think it's fascinating. Yeah. A lot of people, I, I believe uh, when I, they approach me to write an article, they say, well, can you put together, you know, just simple thousand word article? <laughs> and, yeah, and I don't think there is such a thing as a simple thousand word article because either you have yeah. something in your, uh, your pile of, of uh, goodie bags, uh, but it's never a thousand words, so you always have to trim it down or, or bump it up a little bit, or et cetera. So I find it a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, we, we talked uh, briefly about your other books. You published five books, and they all have featured various dogs, correct? They have all featured various dogs. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to talk to you a little bit more about uh, your relationship. Do you use the relationships and stories of dogs in your life or of family members, as you mentioned before, as inspirations for the books? Or is it more of just observing and getting a feel for if you were a dog, how would you handle that situation? 
I think it's a little bit of both. Absolutely all the dogs that I've known. I I grew up in a house with a lot of dogs. I think we had between four and six dogs at any given time throughout my entire childhood. So just being with dogs and being around dogs has always been a very big part of my life. So I think all the dogs I had growing up, like they've all appeared, they've made guest appearances in different novels. My dog, Carly, has had an entire novel devoted to her. And then, you know, the, the pugs was just something that from observing them and this fascination and um, affection I have for them. So they came really just from watching them and seeing them. So sort of all uh, everything you said, I think. Yeah, it's uh, you know I try to when I'm writing about various animals or various dogs, you know, obviously I pull from my own life, and we've got a plethora of animals in our house, whether it's uh, dogs or cats or birds or turtles or fish or birds. I mean, there we've got a regular uh, zoo inside of our house. But I think it's always interesting to step away and look at someone else's animals or, or work with uh, rescues and shelters to see what their uh, animals are, are doing, what they're doing with their animals to get some inspiration about what's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And they're all animals, I think, are very inspiring. Absolutely. I know you mentioned your book of essays. You're presently working on a next book as well. Can you share with the listeners a little bit about what the, we, they can expect in the next book? Or give us a little that, that is the book of essays. <laughs> that is the book of essays. Tell us a little bit more about the book of essays then. What can they experience with that? What kind of essays are we talking about here? They are all about life with dogs. So it sort of starts out with um, when I was young and we had six dogs in the house going up to my life in New York City in the apartment building I live in, which is a dog-friendly building. And so pretty much everyone who lives here has dogs. So it goes from the beginning to the present. Oh, fantastic. That's fantastic. When is that due out? Do you have any target dates? Sometime a year from now or later. Yeah. I just turned it in. <laughs> we know the publishing world. Uh, it's uh, six months, give or take 12. <laughs> yeah, so look out for it in May 2012 or yeah. after that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, keep us posted on that for sure. We want to want to be part of that and have you back on to talk a little bit about that as well. Thank you. I would love to come back. Well, what you talked about, you know, New York City, uh, I have a lot of clients in New York City that work with their dogs and, you know, solving behavior issues and changes in their uh, uh, daily routines, et cetera. But for those of us who live in, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, and then one of the suburbs, and I've got a big sprawling backyard, and I'm assuming you don't have a big sprawling backyard. <laughs> Tell us about, I have Central Park. <laughs> you have Central Park, so you have an even bigger sprawling backyard. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about some of the nuances about uh, dogs in New York City. What are some of the, uh, the challenges? What are some of the upsides? Because I would imagine there are some upsides such as, since everybody has dogs, you get to know the other dogs and the other people, where we may not here in the uh, suburbs. Right. I mean, I, I think there's, there's a definite human upside in that the dogs really connect you to your neighborhood and your community in, the, in a place like New York City where you can live next door to people or pass the same people on the street and never really know them. I noticed that so much once I got a dog. All of a sudden, like, I started talking to my neighbors and neighbors started talking to each other because there's just something about, like, if you're standing in, in your lobby waiting for the elevator with a neighbor and there aren't dogs there, no one will say anything. And if there are dogs there, people will say, oh, what kind of dog is that? Or how old is she? And how long have you had her? So it's really, really nice in that, in the way it connects you to other people. I think an upside for dogs is that they see so many other dogs all day. Like, you bring them to the park and they'll see, you know, 10, 15 dogs on that trip. Every time they walk around the block, they'll encounter other dogs. So I think it's really nice for them and how many other dogs they get to see for brief encounters on the street. 
country dogs don't really get. Absolutely. You know, here in the suburbs, you know, as I mentioned, a lot of people have big fenced-in backyards. And, and though I still encourage them to take their dogs on walks because that's mm-hmm. a different type of exercise and a different type of mental focus, rarely does it happen. You know, if we take them to a park or a dog park, then yes, we, we get to intermingle with other dogs and other people. But but typically, uh, I would say in the suburbs, it's you open up the back door and you let your big dog run around for a while and maybe you get in touch with nature a little bit that way. But rarely do you actually have that one-on-one interface where you get to know all the all the animals in your block and all the people in your block. Yeah, which is which is really, really nice. I, li- I like it very much. And you're also, there's sort of, there's the human-human connection and the dog-dog connection, but there's also such a dog-human connection because you're really like responsible for like every aspect of your pet's life. It's not, you know, out the door you go to your whole backyard life that you have. So you're really like there with your animal for everything they do, which is interesting. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think it is. Bonding. That's right. With uh, with your plastic bags in hand, so you can clean. <laughs> with it with your dirt. plastic bags, I know it's like there's. Not, she's never gone to the bathroom that I haven't picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> we had went on uh, vacation uh, to uh, the beach in Florida a couple weeks ago, and it was the first time we had an opportunity to take our uh, Schnauzer, our boy Buzz, down to the uh, to the ocean to the beach. Which we, we oh, they're great. I know you have a, a Schnauzer featured. In yeah, your, yeah. My first book is many Schnauzers. <laughs> yeah, if Andy Warhol had a girlfriend, which uh, I was when I picked up, I looked at the cover. I was surprised to see our, our beautiful Schnauzer <laughs> on there. So the story goes: when we went on vacation, and when we were, the condominium we were staying at, of course, we had to clean up after ourselves uh, immediately. <laughs> Where here at home, admittedly, the backyard doesn't get cleaned up as much as it should because nobody's in there but but me and my wife and my dog. So uh, we went down there for a week, had plastic bags, had a collection of plastic bags, and did my proper cleanup. When I got back home and I let Buzz out to the backyard, I found myself reaching for the plastic bag to clean up <laughs> everything and wondering why I didn't put a plastic bag in my pocket, which then I quickly realized that that's not quite needed in my own backyard, <laughs> right. at least not as often. So it not is a different often. Exactly. So it is a different mindset. It is a different mindset in, uh, to be in a big city and uh, having dogs, but it can be done and it can be done very well. And you, like you said, you get to meet a lot of uh, wonderful other dogs and other people and, and form that uh, human animal relationship. I do think though, I mean, it's, you know, my dog, as much as she seems to enjoy the city, she loves to be in the country. So I do try to get her out of the city as often as I can because I do think dogs really need that also. Yeah, they need that. I think the change of pace, they, of course, they need that physical stimulation of being out there and being able to run, maybe run off a leash if possible. But uh, yeah. it's also it's a mental thing too. Animals need that mental stimulation as well. And I think taking them yeah. to a different location, especially uh, if they live in a city, taking them to the country or vice versa, it's different stimulant and it's, uh, it's good yeah. for them. It Definitely is. Definitely so. Is. All right. Well, Allison, we're coming to the end of the show today so but i want, do want to thank you for being on the show today i want everybody to pick up a copy of a pug's tale uh, of course you can uh, learn more about allison pace as well as pug's tale and all of her other wonderful books by going to her website which is allisonpace.com a-l-i-s-o-n-p-a-c-e.com and allison please keep us posted when the next book is coming out and we'll uh, love to chat with you some more about that one as well I will. Thanks so much for having me today. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Well, we're coming to the end of the show today, uh, so I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Also, once again, want to thank Allison Pace for coming on board. Everybody, pick up a copy of A Pug's Tale. It's a wonderful little book and wonderful stories, and it has pugs in it, so you can't go wrong there. Uh, so thanks to Allison Pace for being on the show today. 
Thank you to the sponsors and producers for putting on another fabulous show and making this possible. I know everybody appreciates that. I definitely appreciate it. To find out more about me, Tim Link, and other guests that I have interviewed or will be interviewing, you can always go to the Animal Rights Show tab on Pet Life Radio. That's PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Animal Rights. You can download all the shows. You can find out who's coming on board at future date and uh, look at the blogs as well. While you're at it, make sure you check out all the other hosts and all the other wonderful shows. There's a uh, wide variety of shows offered by Pet Life Radio. Uh, you can check them out at PetLifeRadio.com. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show or guests you'd like to see on the show, drop me a line. You can uh, email me at Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. That's Tim at PetLifeRadio.com. And I'll be glad to answer your questions, entertain your comments, come up with great ideas, and see if we can get the people you want to hear the most on the show. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life, share it in a blog, article, or in a book. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.